0: Was that amazing or what? The food was fantastic. Those who missed it, I'm sorry. Um, You got to wait till next year. But it was amazing what what took place. And I'm really, um, really encouraged. I mean, it was the best food I've ever had in a long time. And it even saved me some. I couldn't believe something. I mean, one thing that was really fantastic is everyone loves collard greens. And they were gone by the time I got there. I said everybody likes collard greens. How many like collard greens? I could tell because y'all cleaned them out before I got there. That's amazing. But really, I'm here today. We're gonna talk about today. I'm really excited. How many are really excited about Thanksgiving? Coming up and food and fun and fellowship and football. I'm not gonna say anything about Dallas. I'm so oh, oh. they're gonna win it all. That's what they told us. Someone told me, I got to say that. I got to talk by faith because we're a house of faith. They're going to win it all. But they're paying the Panthers on Thanksgiving Day. Wow. Really? really. <laughs> That's the power of Thanksgiving. Really? I'm a New York fan. I can say that and I have the mic. But really, what we're going to talk about today, the power of Thanksgiving. I believe this message will change your paradigm on life. Change your life, your mental attitude about life. How many know life has been hitting us at the door long? We've been fighting the last few weeks' terrorism, fighting all these things that's going on in the news, and fear is running rampant in our nation today. And the people of God have a power that only comes from God. It's called thanksgiving. And how the power of thanksgiving can transform our lives. And I believe today, if you listen today, God really wants to speak directly into your heart and transform your life. There's a quote by John Mason that says, Thanksgiving, you will find, creates power in your life because it opens the generators of your heart to respond gratefully, to receive joyfully, and to react creatively. Uh, creatively. That's John Mason talking about that. And when I, always, I always have this, this uh, saying in my mind whenever I'm thinking I'm not really walking in the fullness of Thanksgiving. I said, You know, if I can't be thankful for what I reached, I can better be thankful for what I escaped. Because that's the gospel. I escaped wrath, I escaped death because Jesus died on the cross for me. So I cannot be, sometimes I'm not thankful for what I reached, but by God, I'm always thankful, thankful for what I escaped. And with, with Christ, we escaped death, we escaped a lot of things. So let's going to go to 1 Thessalonians 5, chapters, um, chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. It's a famous scripture that we put together. But I want to talk about and put this all together called about the power of thanksgiving and how we're wired for this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And we know this very well. A lot of times we quote this in our, in our, in our, uh, in our um, journals, but sometimes we don't live it. It says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks for all circumstances. Does it say for all? In all. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When we talk about Thanksgiving, I went on the internet and I've been reading up on the word gratitude and thanksgiving. Found a study, science study about us. About humans. It says gratitude is the brain's amazing fertilizer. Gratitude is the brain's amazing fertilizer. It says gratefulness can give us more energy. It can help us become more other-centered. Because when you don't worry about your own problems, you help other people with theirs. It can help you sleep better. Even a Chinese study discovered not only did gratitude improve sleep, but decreased depression. And indirectly lowered anxiety. It says this, it can make you feel, make you physically feel better. Make you physically feel better. Now he talks about our brain, how it's wired. He it says, when we are grateful, we activate the brain's regions associated with the feel-good transmitters called dopamine. Now, some of you might, you science majors, you know what I'm talking about. Gratefulness also increases the mood neurotransmitter, serotonin, and the trust hormone, oxytocin. Someone's car (laughs) went out. When dopamine is released, it invokes a do that again response. So a grateful heart can feed on itself and help it repeat. It wants to repeat, called the virtuous cycle. Now, dopamine, when again, when it's released, it's a feel good response. And then I was talking to my wife this morning because she studied all this. And she told me, you know what releases dopamine in our brains? And I've been doing it for years. Chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolate cake. That's why I'm always so happy. <laughs> it releases that. Now, those it doesn't if release, when you, if you're on psychotropic meds, it tries to block the negative and release the dopamine in your mind. Because it's a chemical imbalance, the way God hardwired us. The reason why it can be a chemical imbalance. The last one is this: it can help combat negativity and negative emotions that follow in our minds. You know, because of our brains, we have five times more negative circuits than positive ones. Five times more negative circuits than our positive ones. We naturally tend to focus on the negative. You ever notice that? They said it's called the negative bias. I, I always I look at things differently. How many love to, um, I'm not going to name, how many love to watch the news? Y'all need to be informed. <laughs> anyway, you watch the news, is 30 minutes. 25 minutes of it's over, right? How many agree? And have that 30 seconds of the hero moment, the feel good moment. They close on the feel good moment. Isn't that amazing? But it's 25 minutes of negative. In 30 seconds of this happened today, so you can breathe. And you look at social media, negativity sells. Positivity, I don't want to hear that. When someone's bleeding out on, on uh, Facebook or Twitter, everyone, it's a bunch of hits. The reason why, it says when we are grateful, it forces our brains to think about the positive. When we're grateful, it forces our brains to think about the positive. That's why church is so important for people. It forces you to think about Jesus, that's why the Bible is so important for our minds and our hearts because it forces us to think about the positive. What happens when we get into a negative spin, we stay away from that which is positive, positive. and we shouldn't. It's work to come in and say, okay, I'm going to trust God anyway. It's very important that we stay, we have to force our way into positive. you got to force your way into encouragement. you got to force your way into faith. Because in a negative trend, it's five times more you're going to focus on the negative and 2% on the positive. But we have a Jesus, we have a God that always starts on the positive and he ends on the positive. And that all happened, talking to Elder Telly, all that happened when we fell. Remember in the big garden with, with, with God and Adam and Eve, there was no such thing as evil. It was all good. Then our minds got racked about negativity, which stops and chokes our Thanksgiving. So I want to go over a couple of ingredients of Thanksgiving. The first one, when we look at the passage in First Thessalonians five, verse sixteen, says, "Rejoice in the Lord." Now, not much is experience of joy, but the active expression of joy. Now, you got to realize the joy of the Lord, like we say, is our strength. But joy is a gift, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So you have to encounter God to get the, the gift of joy. We can't measure that. We can't create that because what we create is always short-sighted. Think about it. So you have to, the joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which will be actively expressed and his people, you can tell when someone's full of the Holy Spirit, they're joyful in the midst of pain. See, to be joyful, you have to see this. You got to see the hand of God in whatever's happening. Whatever's happening around us, we have to see the hand of God in. A lot of us are struggling now with the terrorism around the world. Do you know at this moment, they're seeing Muslims turn to Jesus as the highest rate they've ever seen it? There is a revival breaking out among Muslims becoming Christians. So you got to dig all between all the negativity and look and say, wow, that a, that's a paragraph. No one's reading. So what's going on around us, God is working all of it. Really for our benefit. So that brings thanksgiving. Thank you, God. No things are happening, but God, you're working through this. And we run out of things to rejoice about. How about this? Why don't we rejoice about the forgiveness of our sins? How about his character? How about his promises? How about his peace? How about his support? How about when he comforts us? How about when he he's guides us in tough times? How about his friendship? He calls us friends. Isn't it amazing to be a friend of God? On your worst day, when you don't feel like it, you're a friend of God if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. See how you're tanking your mind and you're engaging the Holy Spirit in the joy because we, remember, we can get caught up in this because we look for sources of joy. We have a new job. How long does that last? About two weeks? New <laughs> <Real> relationships. <sighs> What happens is you have to access Jesus, who is the joy. You have to have joy in the Lord, who gives joy to your job, to your marriage, to your relationships. It's a supernatural joy. So when you don't feel like it, it overrides it because it's Jesus. You have joy. You have. Joy in the Lord, when it's Philippians 4.4. 4, you have joy in the Lord. Make sense? So you have joy in the Lord who's the one who gave me this job, who's the one that gave me this relationship, who want, and I have thanksgiving for that, versus trying to find joy, the source of joy in that relationship. It will tear you up because you were too emotional, and we're supposed to be. We're emotional people. I mean, when it's tough, with teenagers, not joy all the time, is it? Unless the joy of the Lord's in your house, it's going to be a tough season for you. Because teenagers say, mom and dad don't know anything. They don't know nothing. I know it all. And here's the problem. You said that to your parents. See, teenagers thought I was beating you up. I wasn't beating you up. Because everything else changes, but the Lord doesn't change. Seasons of joy changes, but he doesn't change. That's why you put joy in it. He's the one who gave you the job, who will give you joy for the job when the job gets tough, when life is tough. Second thing is, I love this part. In fact, Tim Keller gave us a quote on joy. God is so committed to your ultimate joy that he was willing to plunge into the greatest depths of suffering for you. It's talking about he's making it real. It's talking about Jesus. And our worst day, we're born again. Really. Yeah, on your worst day. When people say you don't measure up, people say you're not this. Well, Jesus says I'm special because he died on the cross for me. Amen. Bottom line. Remember, you got, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Don't listen to what people say about you. Only listen to what God writes about and says about you. And teenagers really need to know that because a lot of teenagers, young people are suffering from this self-image. About what someone said. And they believe it. To take it as true. That's why our parents need to speak life, not death. If you don't know how to speak life, find someone who does. Pray without ceasing. How about this part? I love this one. Really, when he says pray without ceasing, we think I got to walk around all day, act weird. No, really, he's talking about being persistent and consistent. He takes you to the book. If you go to the book of Luke 18, it's talking about a story of a, a widow who went to an unjust, unjust judge, and he didn't want to grant her request. But he even says this. I love it in the writing in Luke. He says this in the ESV. I gave her the request because she kept on bothering me. <laughs> and then God said, well, if an unjust judge gives you desires of your heart, I'm a just judge. Why wouldn't I? But he also said this, will I find faith on the earth? See, praying builds your faith. Because I may want something now. You know, God pray tomorrow, I mean, 2 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow, you know. You know, time is only important when it's measured. And God doesn't work by time. We do. But we have to remember seeing that he's working in the midst of it. said, well, you're looking for faith on the earth. Prayer increases my faith. Even when it do not seem like anything is going on, there's a lot going on that I don't see. And I thank God for it that I didn't see it because I'll put my hands in it and I'll probably mess it up. That's why you can have, um, you can pray without ceasing. I love Psalms 95 too. It says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, You know, our thanks to God should precede our request of him. Our thanks to God should precede. So when we have praise and worship, you should be praising God and thanking God before you ask him for anything. And here's a great thing. He already answered your prayer because you're breathing today. How's the air feel today? That's one answer. Third thing on here says ingredients we need to give thanks in all. How many in all circumstances? How many know the story of Job? How many like to read that book? You're afraid if you read that book, it's going to happen to you. I mean, like Christmas. No one reads Revelation because they're afraid they're going to blow up. I'm like, that's encouraging. No, I don't read Job, brother, because I tell you, if I read Job, man, next week it's going to happen to me. Well, it probably will, but you need to read it. Job's brother had everything. All of a sudden, he had nothing, right? And he was, even his wife said, yeah, I'm out of here. Find me another one. I'm like, and then he had friends that would not even give him a hug. So he's down and he's like, oh, my gosh. And he had all, all reason to say, you know something, God? I'm finished. I can care less about you. Everyone's gone. You no, know he did. He blessed God in the midst in spite of his circumstances, not because of them. In Job 1.20, he blessed him in spite of the circumstance not because of, this, of the circumstance. And we know because... How many know the scripture, Romans 8, 28? We're, yeah, right? Let's read it together. How about hell? Let's put it up. Put that up for me. Because we always read this, but we forget one thing. It says this, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for the good. How many love the party on that? Right? Party time. For those who are called according to my purpose, whose purpose? See, when we pray, we always want our purpose. You never notice that? We never want his purpose because his purpose, we don't comprehend it sometimes. No, his purpose, remember I told you last week? My purpose straight ahead, it should happen in 10 days. God's purpose, all the way around, 10 years later, what are you doing? He said, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to show you what I'm doing. Keep reading. For those who you formed new, he also what? To be what? You know that word conformed? Is that comfortable? Take it's trying to fit yourself. Say this is what we had to do in survival school. A box about this big, this why? We had to sit in this box for a couple of hours and conform to the box. You think that was comfortable? Is conformity comfortable. But he wants to conform us into the what? In order that we may be the firstborn among many brothers. He wants us not to mess up that what he wants to give us. He shows us what we're going to be and what we're going to do. But he knows we're not ready for that yet. We're going to mess it up. So he's conforming us to receive it. That's why you have to give thanks in all circumstances because they're all working out to mold me into the image of Jesus. See, 28 is great. We party, but it's his purpose Not my purpose, because I used to pray, God, you know, and he's like, that's not my purpose. You know where my purpose is written, Rich? It's in here. I'm going to conform you into the image of this. You mean love my enemies? And we think that was something they wrote a long time ago? That doesn't make sense? He's talking about enemies that are ready to kill you. Love them? Yeah. That hurts. I know. Get in the box. And by the third time you got in the box, after the exercise, it felt good to get in the box because at least I don't have to work anymore. (laughs) I got conformed to the box. They humbled us. It's the only way God wants to humble us. He He wants us to be conformed into the image of his son. Could you think about Jesus? Couldn't it have been done another way? Surely he could have died without dying. And he could have saved us without dying. Right? I'm not, you know, just go up on the mountain, transfigure out, go up, come back down, no problem. No. Conformed. Said, he learned obedience to what he suffered. So, circum, that's why you can praise God. How many feel like you're going to do a circumstance? Say, thank you, God, for forming me. No one's saying anything. We ought to have a song that says that. Thank you, Lord, for conforming my body. In my mind, no, no, that wouldn't be a hit song, would it? <laughs> Just trying to help you songwriters out there. <laughs> hey, Romans, when you do Romans 8, 28, don't forget 29. Don't forget it. When you look at those ingredients, that's when it brings transformation in three areas of my life or your life. First one is it transforms our, uh, our perception, our relationship with others, and our relationship with God. It transforms our, uh, our perception. See, the way we view things is really only a reflection of our self-beliefs. Think about it. And not necessarily how it is. Because you know we never see life as truly as it is. We see life as truly as we are. So when we think things are falling apart, they're really not. When you look at the world today, pressing the church, terrorism is pressing the church. I had to read about church security. Got to read about same-sex marriage. All those things. I'm thinking, wow, this seems like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and God is saying, no, I'm giving you the greatest advantage now in the planet to represent me. That's a perception that we have to have. See, it helps me cope with life's events and see them through the true perspective. And it's rooted in the conviction that God is in charge of everything. When people ask me about terrorism, I don't know. I'm still studying that because it is a scripture that really gets to me about loving your enemies. And when those writers wrote that scripture, they're not talking about people who cut you off in line at Walmart. They're talking about people who are going to take up a gun and shoot you for your faith. Forgive them? Really? Wow. So I can't get blast stuff because oh man. Close the borders. Really, God loves people. Could Jesus died for people we don't even like. Think about it it transforms my perception it checks me so i have an emotional emotional outburst for something that's not biblical we stand up sometime and we're not reading the bible and we're not doing now we're praying I'm, we've been praying in the back about terrorism And God exposing the plan of the enemy, but also God exposed where that that hurt is that's causing all this pain and change. Because all they're doing is what they believe. So we we need to start doing what we believe, bringing peace and bringing the gospel to Jesus Christ around the world. That's why it's so important. Otherwise, it's not going to take place. Social programs, there's some parts of it, but really it's the gospel that's going to tell you what's wrong and transform what's wrong. I'm on my soapbox but we never really see how truly is. We see how we are. And if you're full of the Holy Spirit, I got to see people as Jesus saw them, helpless and harassed without a shepherd. Now, my flesh says, man, no. But the Spirit says, man, yes. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. Some of us have relatives we're going to go see in the next couple of days. They have no idea what they're doing. Because Jesus says they're helpless and harassed. And what does helpless and harassed people do? Harass other people. And hurt people hurt people. But I always want to be in a way that I understand, have the right perception on what's going on. And it helps me A conviction that God's in work in everything. Nothing takes God by surprise. Paris wasn't taken by surprise by him. As much as the pain, and I'm praying through all that, nothing. The racism that's happening in America today, nothing is taking him by surprise. But he's saying, church, you have all the answers to racism and all that. We got some bold college students doing some things, and I said something, a few things I shouldn't have said because I didn't think about it first. There's some biblical things in there, but I'm like, it's the church's job to show true reconciliation. It's the church's job to show true peace and to see for what it really is. Why are they upset? Why are they depressed? Why Why are they destroying people's lives? Because they're destroyed inside perception. And Dr. Phil said, there's no such thing as reality, only perception. I don't agree with that. The reality is this. So I got to have the God reality on life. Let me get off this. Next thing, it transforms our relationship with others. Help us to regard others from a godly perspective. One thing I noticed about, again, I can, I fall into this thing. You know, pride and truth we can walk around with truth, but if I walk around with pride, that causes us to walk around in self righteousness. I'm right, you're wrong, get it right. Truth and grace brings love. Pride and truth brings self righteousness. And the problem with self righteousness, we don't, we're not, those who walk in who's self righteous are not motivated by the heart. They're motivated by the actions of people. It's about movement, not the heart. So when I have relationships, not just in the church, outside the church, I have a boss that doesn't know what they're doing. If you don't know Jesus, he's not supposed to know what he's doing. And those who, you know what's happening today? If you've noticed what's happening today in Christianity, those who are committed are hanging in there and those who are nominal are falling away because everything is getting so so it used to be easy to be a christian because nothing was going on we had our parties and that was it there was nothing going on right yeah let's have a party we'll celebrate for three and a half hours don't share the gospel there's enough of us in here and now the world's starting to blow up and everyone has to make a decision and crisis causes you to make a decision and when crisis to the committed stay but those who are counterfeit fall away Some of you have friends. They're not walking with Jesus now. What happened? Were they really committed? Were they committed to the party? Or were they committed to the priority? It's not not really a a popular message. to talking about let's go share the gospel. What about me? Well, you'll feel better if you share the gospel. Oh, I hit someone on that. They laughed on that one. I'm not going to be moved by performance by heart because the older I can get, the more I can fall into this. The more I think I know everything, the more I start walking. How come they're not walking like I would do? I would do this. I would really do this. They're not me. My heart says, I'm going to help them do this. Performance says, you better do this. Last one is, it tra- transforms our relationship with God. Thanksgiving deepens our relationship with God because it decreases the pride, the pride that, that separates us from God. If I'm not walking in Thanksgiving, I'm walking in pride. That means I have it all together. And that means I don't have to thank God for anything because I'm a self-made man. I'm a self made woman. And that separates our lives with God. And God says, I don't build that way. I build for you to be um, have humility. See, it's hard for believers today because if you're a believer that thinks it's just me and Jesus, then you're in trouble. Because you know why you won't step into a relationship with other believers? Because it's pride. Cause you don't want no one to see the dirt on you, but they see it anyway. I know y'all see mine. I have to share it every week. But so does Jesus. It's tough. But it did this here, my relationship with God. It deepens it, cause I become honest with Him. I do, and nothing happens. Worship team, why don't you come up? See, I, like I said, I, I transform my relationship with God, and I talk about how fi- our brain is wired five times toward the negative, and I have to force. My way to the positive. And the access that God gave us is the gospel. He gave him himself to us. He transformed us by that relationship. And it's ever transforming. See true victory in life really for us comes through those, comes through joyful, prayerful, and thankful. For you're full of joy, prayerful, and you're thankful. Because if we don't fill that heart, our hearts and go deeper with Jesus, discouragement will go deeper in us. Because when you're discouraged, you ever notice you pull away? You don't go closer. You get away. And it starts to grow in your heart. As it grows in your heart, the devil comes in. like I tell you, you don't need any of that. You know why? Because discouragement causes all these things because it slowly, slowly messes with you. This punches you get in the gut with, that knocks you out. But discouragement takes courage and whittles away, whittles away, whittles away. And the next thing you know, when you're so discouraged, you get mad at God. You get upset with him. When he says, no, I'm trying to make you deeper. I'm trying to make you better, not bitter. You gotta be better to receive the best. Think about that. You gotta be better to receive the best. That's how much He loves us and cares for us. That's why Thanksgiving is so amazing. In the world today, it's easy to get discouraged if you look at your checkbook. It's easy to get discouraged if you look at life outside our doors. It's easy to get discouraged when you look at the economy. But God never changes. And what what does he say? Come closer, man. Come closer, lady. And when I call upon his name, guess what happens? He comes and he takes the discouragement. Out because here's a quote by John Mason I'm going to end with us all stand because we're going to worship and change. We're going to close with worship. It says, This the seeds of discouragement will not grow in a thankful heart, it will grow in an unthankful heart, and discouragement leads to pulling back. Not going deeper with God, not getting better with God, but getting bitter with God. That's why Thanksgiving has to be on our lips because we tend to go to the negative. Remember, we're bent that way. So we have to force our way into say it's gonna be okay. We gotta force the way to say that test is gonna work. We gotta force the way and say we win. And it's uncomfortable speaking that which doesn't line up naturally. But how many know we serve a supernatural God? He doesn't go by nature. He creates his own nature. So let's worship God. Cry out to God this morning. And he will come. He will come. Break the barrier of pride. Break the barrier of discouragement. Open your heart to him. And let him come.